welcome to Woman Reinvented with your host, Beth Smith. Your sponsor this week is Magnolia Organizing. Now, here's Beth. Hello. Today we're talking to Christine Johnson, who will share her incredible story of transformation and reinvention after a brain tumor, significant weight loss, redefining her body through exercise, and complete life change with her spirit, mind, and body philosophy. If you're interested in being inspired by a woman who's reinvented herself through radical change, stay tuned. One thing I know for sure after listening to our guest today, if you feel you have hurdles to overcome and need some motivation to do so, then this is the show for you. But now a word from our corporate sponsor, which is me. Yes, this episode is brought to you by my business, Magnolia Organizing. The Magnolia team works both in the North Metro Atlanta area and virtually with women who are reinventing their home and family life. We design and load beautiful new closets and pantries. We work on decluttering and downsizing or work with women who just need a few tweaks to get their spaces just right. Many of the folks we work with are not hoarders, but often they feel like they're just drowning in stuff. Through the Magnolia processes, they often start reinventing themselves, too. You'll hear more about how you can get in touch with us at Magnolia at the end of the show, but now to Christine. So, Christine, it's so good to have you on with us tonight. And, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about your background, but I'd like for you to share that with the people that are here and listening. And I'd just like to know how you would say that you've reinvented yourself. How did you begin that? Hi, Beth. Um, I started out probably years before, um, but my biggest step was a reset four years ago. I had a brain tumor, and that kind of jumbled up our life a little bit. So when you have no choice but to start over, yeah. you have to start over. <laughs> right? So that, that was my biggest reset that I have. Um, I commonly call it the redo button. I had no control over it. I had to relearn everything. And as a result, that meant that I had new ways of learning and new ways of getting information off of information I used to have that didn't have until I did it again, if that makes sense. So you just had to so, learn to uh, what? Did you have to learn to walk? Did you have to learn to read? What did you have to learn to do? Well, actually, um, a lot of common different things, you know, um, as far as tying your shoe. Um, that was one thing that I had forgotten and I didn't really learn how to do that again until I watched my son tie his shoe. Um, as far as doing my hair, um, cause I have long hair and I like to keep it up. I don't keep it down. So it was watching videos on YouTube. By the way, you don't want to watch all the YouTube videos. They're not always accurate, <laughs> you know, uh, and then Pinterest, you know, the, the beauty of living in an electronic age is that you have that information at your fingertips. Yes, I'm thinking, but wow, also, what, if, what would have happened to you if you hadn't had that visual uh, cues that you get from YouTube and Pinterest and to try to relearn these things? I think, you know, technology is nice because it allows you to investigate on your own, but it also is antisocial. Yeah, So sure. um, while, I, while I'm developing these skills, I wasn't developing communication skills. Mm. And I wasn't learning how to communicate with other people effectively. Um, I was very black and white. You know, I said what I meant and I meant what I said. And that's not how people communicate. Um, they have a different way of communicating. And a lot of people say that they communicate that way, but usually there's some sort of undertone or they have an inflection in the voice that 
changes the content of the sentence completely. And I had to relearn that through everybody. The one thing I learned was that um, you, body language doesn't lie. So that is my lie barometer when somebody's talking to me. And um, I listen to tonal inflection second and then the words. And I still do that to this day, which makes it very interesting when you um, are communicating with people and you're trying to understand. And I've gotten to put my ego off on the side, if I had any ego, um, because I had to ask, what do you mean? Even off of the simplest things, I'd have to ask what they were talking about because they didn't understand what they were saying necessarily, because their body language would contradict what their total inflection would say and what their words were saying. So anyways, that, that made me become a whole different person. And the people that knew me from before were not necessarily tickled about that transformation. I'm sure that would be hard. Your personality would be very different as you were trying to reinvent yourself. Well, I had no choice. Right. But you did also didn't have any points of reference about who you were, as I understand. Am I translating? No, not really. No, no, you you are correct. Um, Right after I had my surgery, two weeks after I had my surgery, my husband left. So the adult figure that was around in the household had left. And um, the person I was talking to, you know, about regular things was gone. And um, I had five children and two of them were in college at the time. And three of them were at home. And the one that was in a close college um, near us came home to help out, um, help run the farm or, or the ranch and whatnot. So. It was an interesting proposition, so to speak. <laughs> hmm. I can't even imagine that, but there's so much I'd like to say about that, but I choose not to. But, <laughs> <it's> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so two idea. weeks after your surgery, your husband left. You were on your own with one child at home, the rest of them off, and, off hither and yon in college. How did you function and what did you do? Well, actually, I had two of them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting story. Um, <laughs> so we we lived on a ranch. Our ranch was off grid in uh, rural Montana, northern Montana. Um, meaning off grid, we had no regular electricity. We had a generator to charge our batteries and whatnot, and make sure our well worked and whatever. But anyway. So my oldest daughter was in college in North Dakota. My second oldest was in college over in um, Bozeman doing art there. And then I had my um, two sons and a daughter yet that were just in high school. And um, my daughter that was in Bozeman came home to help run the ranch and help take care of the kids um, as we didn't know what to do. Um, and of course taking care of me was another thing because I was hypersensitive and I had a lot of doctor's appointments every week. So it was, it was an interesting anomaly. Um, and it was really a blessing because I, um, I have really good kids and they had the patience to help teach their mom things that I normally would have had to do. Like how to tie your shoes. I didn't tell him about that. Oh. <laughs> I, can see. I, totally, I totally did not tell him about that because by that time I was eating 
I'll call it eating a lot of dirt um, at that time because, you know, I had my two daughters come up and help me get changed because the, the normal thing of a woman getting dressed is putting on her bra. Well, you know, those clasps stink. Um, <laughs> but I, I had had trouble with that because I didn't have the coordination. Right. And then, and so, um, which was a huge anomaly because my tumor was on my left side of my um, cerebellum. And the things I should have been feeling before the surgery, I felt afterwards with magnitude, which was really weird. Um, I didn't have a lot of the same symptomology that you would with a tumor of my size, which was a golf ball. Before the surgery, I had some symptoms, but not to the magnitude that I did afterwards. So um, my, um, my ego was in check because how I knew I was supposed to know how to tie my shoe, but I was tired of asking. Right. And um, I knew that asking kids wasn't a normal thing to do necessarily. And this is something I should know how to do because I taught them how to do it, you know. So I sat there and I watched him tie his shoe. And I was thankful that 99% of my shoes were slip on. <laughs> right. So, you know, I was like, okay, this is good. This is fine. So, um, you know, I could eat on my own. I could do a lot of different things, but I had trouble swallowing. Um, I had a drink out of a straw. And um, I had to wear sunglasses when I went outside. And I had to wear a scarf all the time because my neck couldn't handle the... Um, any cold or variation of temperature on my neck. Um, I couldn't, I was disorientated if there was too much wind. I, I mean, the list is long, yeah. super long. And so, so how long did those sorts of symptoms last for you? How long does it take ha- you to recover and get you where you can tie your shoes and do things on your own? Well, okay, so... I had what I call a series of 11 awakenings where I physically knew a difference in my well-being, where there was a wake-up session in my brain, so to speak. And so I had these things that I could chart that there was such a magnitude of difference. And wow. thank God for my physician. My physician was really, really good. Um, she was actually a, a physical um, physician's assistant. And, um, she was, she did her internship through neuro. Uh So she was on cue. She was just like very meticulous about everything. And she was willing to try new things and help out with assistance. Cause the one medicine I had to be on was $3 and 75 cents a pill. And I took that three to four times a day. And, um, just to help me not, um, just to be able to move um, and to get things going. And then she stepped outside the box and found a neural connector that wasn't common, but they started prescribing for people that have had um, brain trauma, injuries and stuff like that to help the neural connectors come in together. So she kind of colored outside the box and her coloring outside the box made a significant difference. Um, yeah, she's, she's a great lady. So awesome. anyways, so a year ago to cut to the, the brunt of not so you know, how all the 11 stages, how long was my surgery? No, how long ago? Or four years ago. Four years ago. Okay. So, so let's just say it took like three years for you to kind of put yourself back together. It sounds. Yes, like. it did. It, it, it took three on the third year. 
um, I was still feeling like a void. I was walking around like a void. And one day, um, this one girlfriend had popped up about this amazing neural connector. I was like, what are you talking about? Well, she sent me this packet. I took it. And um, it was amazing because it made my body get in sync. And I, I was like, okay, all right. And and uh, the second day, I had more energy, and I was able to do something. I was like, what the, what's going on here? And then the third day, I was picking up books and reading them and comprehending them and not being in here. So my brain turned on. And what it was is getting my body into ketosis. Oh, interesting. And that was huge. Ketosis um, turns on the brain. It makes the brain work off of ketones instead of glucose. Right. And it's like super fuel for the brain. So, you know, you can either run off a sludge or you can run on like high octane. And I chose to run off of high octane. So this was a and, product. Now, I know that many people are doing the keto diet because of all the things, right. good reasons for that is anti-inflammation and it's, you know, hits some of the same things that you Huge. were talking about. So my guess is right. you probably do that too, but this was also just a kind of a, a different, like a product, like a powder, like a pill yep. we're taking. Okay. Yeah, it was a it, it was the product that I took, um, and what was good about it was that, you know, that was my stepping stone, because because of that, my brain woke up, and because of that, I was a better able to understand and pick up the books and go through, and I picked up my first book was called Keto Clarity, uh-huh. which is okay. com- completely outlined now, and it goes through, and it talks about all these different things, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and and it explains completely how well it does off of it. And I was like, you know, they have so much more information than what they had five years prior because I had tried the ketogenic diet on my son and there wasn't enough support right. to understand it very well. So we kind of faded out. It really faded out. Well, now there's so much support and so much understanding and research and whatnot coming forward. You just, you're filled with it. and. Um, each now I started doing these ketone stuff um, on the 29th of December in 2016, and um, by March of 2017, I was off of all of my medications I was taking daily, and three of them went to PRN, which is take right. as needed. Right. And I was taking I was I was taking I think seven different medications daily. Three years after my surgery. So to going for only three short months and I was off of all my medications other than what I needed to take every so often. Um, I went from having headaches five days out of the week down to no headaches. They were just gone. Amazing. Um, And I'm not. I'm not talking about like, you know, you had a migraine and it was horrible and you puked. I'm talking about headaches where you wanted to sit over in the corner and you're debilitated and didn't want to go anywhere. And you don't have um, Absolutely not. Wow. Nothing. Um, I started, I was able, I started noticing that I had strength gained. I was like, what? I can pick up the, the bag. You know, my kids laughed at me because, you know, 50 pound bags I'd throw over my shoulder and walk off before surgery because we're on the ranch and you had to feed the animals. Now, if I could pick up a 20 pound bag without struggling, it was amazing. 
the kids pretty much gave up on me hearing anything to um in March, I was picking up a 30 pound bag without a problem. In June, I could pick up two, you know, two 30, so 60 pounds. And in July, I was able to pick up um, 120 pounds. Wow. And not sweat I it. I better work out because I can't do that now. I'm, I struggle with 50 pounds. Well, of and that was not, that wasn't, I, I wasn't working out at all. That was the other thing. You know, this was, me living my day-to-day life moving forward and all of a sudden my void of life became quality of life. Wow. And, um, Impactful. it was huge. Um, cause quite honestly, um, after three years of struggling and everything else like that, I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, at that point I felt pretty useless. Here I was, I considered myself a pretty big burden upon my family. And um, I wasn't the person that they remembered, nor could I remember who that person was. And um, I heard stories of this woman that did all these things, but I was nowhere near that person. Hmm. Um, So now (laughs) you're totally, as we would say on the podcast, reinvented. Um, Yes. So now, are you still living on the ranch? Nope. No, um, we had left, and um, my daughter and I had moved to several different locations in the process in terms of my divorce. And um, now I'm living in the city, which is great, um, to a degree. I'm still a country bumpkin. <laughs> so I escape to the country regularly. And... Um, you know, life has altered quite a bit. And so with that, we've come to different, um, different goal sets, I guess you could say. Right. So tell me who you are now. Obviously, you're very what? different than what you, you're not a country girl anymore. You don't live off grid. You don't live on the farm. You have reinvented <laughs> yourself. What do you do now? I do a lot of different things. My my passion started in 2015, and it's called Live in the Raw, and it's about speaking clearly with people. The one thing that I learned um, throughout this whole process is that people are afraid to engage with other people completely, and so they don't say um, what they mean necessarily. They say just the surface of what they mean because they want to stay kosher. I'll call it kosher. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to live, you need to live deeply. And yes, that means that you're going to have feelings. And yes, that means that um, there's going to be hurts and whatnot, but you're living life the here and the now and passionately. So my goal is sharing with everybody to do their better. You know, um, I am better now than I was yesterday you know, um, and being right here in this present tense, because I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. That's right. Um, I, I have no idea. So that my passion is teaching people how to do that. And I've taken what I've learned in business because I've owned several different businesses and I've implement, uh, infiltrated it into personal relations. Mm-hmm. And, um, that comes with sorrow, great sorrow at the same time, because you, um, 
when you live deeply, um, you feel things differently and you're not living on the surface. And that means when somebody hurts, you hurt. And that's okay. And it's okay to, after you get done with that, to set it off on the side and say, okay, good job and move forward instead of shoving it underneath the rug. Um, we live in it, like I said, the age of technology. So I found that with so much reality TV that people nowadays look at things when somebody is going through a hardship, they don't jump in to help out so that people don't have to go through the hardship for so long. They sit and watch to see how the show turns out. Well, that's in and people, insightful. I haven't thought of that. You know, in small communities, they, they can step up, but sometimes they're afraid to. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're in a small community or a big community. It depends on how integrated you are into the community. But so often, people are pointing from a distance and saying, oh, yeah, it's that family. Or, oh, yeah, did you hear about that person? Or whatever. And, um, you know, get dirty get in there and help out. And if you're wrong because you helped somebody else out, then you're wrong because you helped somebody else out. That doesn't make you a bad heart. It makes you a good heart. Um, and people are afraid of, they're, they're afraid of getting dirty or what other people are going to say and do. And I guess I just don't care anymore. Get emotionally, getting emotionally involved. Yes. Well, you, you know, you know how many people you impact when you help one person? you have absolutely no clue because you don't know right. what a person is going to become. Right. Yeah. You know, you have no clue. And that magnitude is magnet. It, it's just, it just magnifies and grows. You know, it's just like the old story of the guy waving at the other guy going down the road. I said, why do you wave? And he goes, well, I made a promise to God one day. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, I was at my brink's end. And I said, God, I'm going to go to this bridge and I'm going to jump off. And I said, if you can tell me and have somebody tell me, hi, on my way to that bridge where I'm not going to go through town or anything else, I'm out in the country, and I get to that bridge, and if somebody says hi to me before I get there, then I won't jump off and I'll be your servant. So the guy gets in the car and he starts driving towards this bridge, and this guy goes on the dirt road, and another car comes by and just starts waving at him like he's seen him all day, as excited as could be. He thought, well, gee, that's kind of strange. Drives down another mile, and another guy goes by and starts waving at him again. What's going on here? Well, by the time he gets to the bridge, there's four other people that have waved at him. And he gets there, and he looks down at the bridge, and he looks down at the water. And he's sitting there, and he goes, you said hi. Got back in the car, drove back home. And his wife wondered what was going on. And he goes into town the next day with his wife, and he waves at everybody he passed. And he says, why are you doing that? He goes, I made a promise. I'd say hi to everybody for the day from here on out because you don't know who you're going to change in a moment. That's so. right. That's right. And so, so well said. So tell me what your changes, who are your, what are your plans for changing? You, I know we talk about short-term plans, long-term plans. Where are you going from here? My If I can change one person's life for the better, then I did my job. Mm -hmm. Every single day, that's my goal. So when I go out and I get up in the morning, if I can change just one person's life, 
so that they have a different perspective and they can have a better outlook so they can achieve their goal than I did my job. Um, that's why I do the live in the raw and, and that's why I encompass live in the raw. You have to have your spirit, mind and body working together. And that produced uh, raw fitness and a few of the other things where I help other people out. So I guess that's, that's my long-term goal is that I'm able to go out and help and talk with other different people, whether it be from brain trauma, brain tumors, um, the people that have had other things in their life go through, if I can talk to them and get them going in the right direction and motivate them to do what they need to do right now, despite what somebody else may think or what's going on, then I did my job. That's awesome. Oh, Christine, it's been so good to hear your story and just think about how impactful not even being able to tie your shoes three years ago and here you are just ch trying to change the world one person at a time. It's just an amazing story. Um, for the those of us who would like to follow you, where can we find you now? How do we track you to see what's going on in your story? So the, the first place that you can track me on is Facebook. If you go to um, Live in the Raw, um, or if you look up Facebook, it'll be 5-L-I-T-R, um, and then it'll take you to my page, Live in the Raw. And from there, we'll have all the other links. They'll give you the Instagram accounts and our other web pages and whatever. They'll link you up with the different things that you can do to get your life back on track. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us. And I'm just so glad I got to hear your story. And it's just an impactful one. And I know that uh, as we check in with you from time to time, we'll be watching to see where you are headed. Thanks again. I look forward to it. You have Thank a great you. day. Uh -huh. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Christine. What a story. You are truly a woman reinvented. And if you're listening, I can't wait to see you again as we talk to our next woman reinvented. Thank you for listening to Woman Reinvented with Beth Smith. For show notes or to contact Beth, visit her website, magnoliaorganizing.com.